Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. A couple years ago, Pastor Diane and I, thank you, Pastor Diane and I were praying, and we were just asking God, what, uh, what, what theme or what emphasis do you want us to, to have over the next several years at, at LifePoint? And God emphasized on our heart three different areas. It's not that we don't ever preach anything else, but these are three things he told us that we needed to emphasize, and they were faith, family, and freedom. That's why you hear so much about those those three topics, and obviously, how many know faith is important? Um, The Bible says in Romans 4.16 that faith is the key. If something is the key, how many know that would be important, right? Uh, so we talk a lot, about, a lot about faith, and we just really feel like since God moved us back here, it's been a while now, but our assignment is just to bring faith to this region. And uh, freedom is important because the Bible says, um, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free, and when Jesus sets you free, you're free. So there's a difference between being free and being free indeed. And so those are uh, two areas that we've emphasized, uh, along with um, family. And I, I was just wondering... Uh, why do you think that's something that God has emphasized for us to talk about? I feel like uh, because the enemy has such a plan or a strategy against families, he wants to divide families. Because when you divide a family, then you can divide a generation. And we're a generational church. We believe that. We declare that. You know, it's not just about the older the middle, or the younger. It's about all of us. It's about the impartations of the things that those of us who have been around for a while can impart into the younger ones so that we can pass it on to the next generation and the next generation as long as the Lord tarries, meaning until the Lord comes back. That's a mandate of, uh, of our lives. And I think the reason why that family is so important is because we have to protect it. We have to protect it here. God gives us that commission to protect our families. Because if he can divide a family, then he can divide a generation. And if he can divide a generation, then there's chaos. And when there's chaos, there's confusion. And who is the author of confusion? The enemy. So I believe that the family is one that is going to get attacked a lot, continuously, and in ways that you would never even imagine. Because the enemy is subtle. And he'll use little things to create big things. And then we get offended. Then we get resentful. Then we get bitter. And then we get bad. And God does not want that. He does not want that for our family. He doesn't want that for the church family as a whole. But our individual families too. So we have a responsibility. So I really think the most important thing is the fact that he wants to cut off those generations. Do you, do, you under, do you guys agree with that? He wants to cut off the generation that's after you and the generation even before you. He wants to cut those areas so there's no knowledge, no understanding, and no revelation of what God has for us and has mandated us to do. So I think it's because he wants to destroy the family so that generations get destroyed and divide what he's done and cause confusion. So we're going to start a series for the next few weeks leading up to Christmas called Family First. Yes. But here's what I like to say about that. Here's how I want you to take that in. Uh, first of all, for some of you, you have the perfect family. You may not need this series. 
it'll just help remind you how good you are. Um, for some of the rest of us who our families may be a little fractured, uh, maybe your marriage is struggling, uh, maybe you are a, uh, a single mom or dad, uh, maybe um, family looks different to you than a perfect picture, however that might be. Also, we can, we can take everything I'm saying, not only just your individual family, but the family of God that you're a part of if you yeah. are a believer. So I want you just to take in the things we're saying over the next few weeks. And we taught on family before. So yeah. I wanted to take it a, not just a practical route, but I really wanted to give you some, some spiritual punch in this series, some depth to some things. So yeah. we're going to start this series called Family First. Thanks for hanging out with me. Oh, Saved your seat right there. Um, <laughs> but I want to continue the thought that I asked Pastor Diane, why, why would family be so important? I know we think it's important, but in a, in a culture where family looks so different than it did in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, it's just really different than I think that um, perfect image that, that we have. Um, but I want to take a survey. Uh, how many of you um, could say, yeah, my family's definitely not perfect? Anyone? Okay. And I always say this, you know, um, there's a little bit of crazy in every family. If you can't locate it in your family, it's you. So wherever you're at on that scale, and I'm, I'm joking with you, but family is the most foundational part of humanity, of culture. But here's the thing. It's just not a cultural entity. Family is a spiritual principle. And I do believe that if we can have people that are a part of this church that are full of faith, that are walking in freedom, and they have strong families, um, it is a tremendous witness for the kingdom of God. And if your family has, uh, isn't as perfect as you want it to be, it's okay because we know a redeemer. We know, the, we know the one who has the power to reverse. And I do believe God, I do believe you have an advantage in a culture that is anti-family uh, if you're learning the principles that we want to we want to teach her too. So are, are you ready, ready to go this morning? But I did ponder that question. How, why is family so important or how is family so important? So I just want to throw some scriptures out to you and just, just some thoughts and then I'll get into some points. Um, uh, why or is family important? Well, I, I believe it's important one because it was actually God's idea from the very beginning. Look, look at this scripture. This is Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. This is back when it all started and it said God blessed them. Well, who did he who did he bless? He blessed the original family, Adam and Eve, and God said to them, be fruitful and what? Multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Uh, you, can't, uh, you can't separate God's intention here all the way back in the beginning of the Bible from what God wants to see happen, not just in the garden, but today. God, the original thing he did was put a man and a woman in a garden and said what? Be fruitful, multiply, have an increase of what? Family. Uh, not only was it God's original idea, it was so important. Check this scripture out. It actually made God's top 10. This is in the book of Exodus. This is in the Ten Commandments. And it says, honor your father and your mother. And if you do so, guess what? Your days are going to be long. Things are going to go well for you. So we see that if we learn to do family right, guess what? There's a spirit of prosperity on that family legacy. So it was God's original plan, made his top ten. Um, you might say, well, that's all the way back in the Old Testament. Well, how about this? In the New Testament, Jesus 
taught the same thing when he was walking the earth. This is in, in Mark chapter 10, and Jesus said this, from the very beginning of creation, God made what? Male and female. There are no other pronouns. There are no other um, species. There, there, he made what? A man and a woman. No matter what is said, um, no matter what confusion there is out there, from the beginning, God made male and female. He made no mistakes. And he made the male and female. And the reason, the Bible said, that a, this is the reason a man leaves his father and his mother and he joins to his wife. They become one family and they're no longer two, but now they're what? One flesh. So don't let man separate what God intended to be. Okay, well, that, that was Jesus. Um, so well, what, what, did anyone have anything else to say after Jesus? Well, Paul had some things to say to the churches. And in the book of Colossians, we find what I will call the four foundations for family. I'm going to tell you what they are. I'm going to reference them a little bit more next week. But let's read here. Uh, Paul said this, let every wife be supportive and tenderly devoted to her husband because this is a beautiful illustration of how we're devoted to Christ. So we see here this, this respect as part of the foundation of the family. Then it says, uh, husbands, be filled with cherishing love for your wife and never be insensitive toward her. Well, we see the next foundation is, is love. Then it goes on and it says, and let the children respect and pay attention to their parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. We see the principle of honor. And lastly, it says, and fathers, and you could say it this way, and parents don't have unrealistic expectation for your kids or they're going to become discouraged. And there's another foundation here, and that's the foundation of cherishing. And so I'm going to, I'm going to build on those a little bit next week. But so we see this family idea is actually, it's, 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 it's an idea that God had. And it is what God created. It was his original plan. It made his top 10 list. And Jesus reinforced that original plan that God had. And Paul emphasized that even. So what I'm saying to you is from the beginning of the Bible, throughout the Bible, we see the importance of family and it was God's original design. So if it was God's original design, we should go back to the designer to find out how to do family. Make sense? Because I, I, I'm pretty, pretty confident, confident to say that outside of his pattern and his principles and his plan, we've made a mess of it. And the effects have been devastating. The effects have been absolutely devastating. So here's my title for the next few moments, and it's just this, God's family plan. God's family plan. So why, why, is, why is it so important? What's God's plan? Let me give you a couple of life pointers. Life point number one is that because family actually creates identity. Now also, remember a moment ago, I said, I want you to hear me with an understanding of no matter how perfect or imperfect your family situation is or has been, take into light that the principles of God can repair and fix things. But also understand when I say these things, embrace the idea of the family of God. So family creates identity. It has everything to do with who you are. It has everything to do with your confidence or your lack of confidence. It, now, if you think about this, just, just evaluate your own life and realize the areas that your parents did a good job of 
giving you security and confidence versus insecurity, look what that has done in your life. The, the way that they had raised you, the atmosphere that you were raised in, the spirit that was in your home is what created your security or the areas of your life where you lack security or that you're insecure in. Are, are you feeling me? Because you can look at so many people's lives as they, they go on into adulthood and they have so many insecurities because they were rejected at a younger age or they were abused at a younger age or they weren't given provision, not just financially, but emotionally in their lives. And then they walk through life with this insecurity in their heart. They walk through life with a spirit of rejection on them. And it has everything to do, your family has everything to do with who you are and it gives you your identity. Now, maybe uh, there are some of you I know that have walked through this, but if you, some of you may have been in a position in your life, maybe you were adopted or maybe you didn't know who part of your family was, and it leaves you with this, this, this real area of your life that was in, unsure, this area of your life that, that kept you searching for who you really uh, are or who you are, what your purposes are in life. And so, now, now listen to me, everything that God does, the enemy tries to what? Destroy. And so that's why the devil has worked so hard against the family and worked so hard against our lives because we know that, that, that when God's involved in our, the living, doing family with God's principles produces confident, healthy, secure people. When that's void in our lives, we struggle in those areas of trying to figure out who we are and why we're here. And, 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 and you know, uh, it's been real popular the last few years uh, there, there's some, there are different uh, websites like Ancestry.com, and some of you have, have maybe done those, and, and so you try to find out your family tree, and you trace back your origin to who, uh, where you came from and who you're related to, and, and so th those, those areas of our life are, are so important, just they give us purpose, they give us understanding, they give us this sense of just being confident, knowing who we are, and, 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 and our our. our our family legacy is born out of our, our connection to who we are and where we actually came from. So it, it gives us this sense of identity. Uh, think about this. If you hear a family name and you have a good impression with that family, immediately you think of good things about that family. But if you hear a family name and you know that's nothing but a family that's nothing but trouble, you know the difference in that? Oh, that, they're good people. That's good stock. Or, oh man, they are troublemakers. So there's this legacy that sort of carries. Now, don't be looking around trying to figure out who that is in here, but, but, but it has everything to do with this legacy. It has everything to do with this lineage. That's why God knew it was his principle. He knew how important these things um, actually were. I, I thought this was so interesting, and maybe I'll use this as a, as a slide next week, but uh, th there's a, a study uh, that sociologists did, and so they went back to the 1700s, and they studied two people. One person was a Puritan preacher. His name was Jonathan Edwards. Some of you have heard of Jonathan Edwards. He, he did the sermon, um, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and they, they traced his family lineage, and, and they traced the lineage of a, a man named, um, i got to get the name right, Max Jukes, who was a reputable um, thug at that time. And they traced his lineage 
and they traced Jonathan Edwards' lineage. They were living at the same time. This is from the 1700s. And so Max Jukes was in prison for his crimes, and this was the lineage from his family. This is who followed him. 310 of his family members died as paupers. 150 of them were criminals. Seven were murderers. 100 were drunks, and almost 200 were prostitutes. And then they studied Jonathan Edwards' life and listened to this lineage that came uh, from, from, and they say about Jonathan Edwards that he was very busy, but he spoke blessings over his family and over his children and, and, and preached great sermons. But this came from his lineage. 13 college presidents, 65 college professors, 75 military officers, 80 public servants, 60 authors, 60 doctors, 30 judges, 100 pastors, 100 lawyers, three U.S. senators, and a vice president. What was the difference in those two legacies or lineages? It was one who embraced the principles of God and the Bible of how he did family versus one who broke every principle. And I'm sure if you trace their lives back, there was issues with the way that, that they may have been raised. But what I'm saying is there is a difference in how we do life when we do them with the principles that God has given us. If we understand God designed family, then it really does create a whole different identity for us. Even think about this, your family name gives you legal rights. It gives you rights to property. It gives you rights to possessions. If someone passes on, you inherit things. So it gives you identity. Or let me say it this way. It gives you a healthy identity or it messes up your identity. Now think about that with the family of God. How many know when you become a believer, you make Christ the Lord of your life, you're welcomed into the family of God and you plug yourself into a local community of faith or a local church, guess what it does? It gives you an identity. I'm a believer. I'm a son of God. I'm a son of the king. I am a part of a, a local church. I am part of Life Point Church. It gives you, guess what? Identity. And I'll just say a very bold statement, but identity changes everything. When you know who you are and where you came from and what purpose you have, it li literally does what? It changes everything. So why is family so important? It gives you an identity. Second of all, family not only creates your identity, but it determines your outlook. Family determines your outlook on, on, on life. For example, by example, how you're nurtured determines um, what you believe. Your family has everything to do with really what you believe until you come to a place where maybe you need to sort that out and get that right on your own. But they have a lot of influence on what you believe. If you believe there is a God or if you believe there isn't a God, if you believe that you should have a relationship with God or you don't believe you should have or maybe you don't believe in God at all, that is all heavily influenced by, guess what, the family unit that you came up in. I am so grateful personally that I came up in a family that taught me from early on that there is a God, I need to be in relationship with him and live by his principles. Some of you maybe didn't have that opportunity and you know what it was like to come up without any knowledge of really God or what maybe you knew about God but you didn't really know about relationship with him or the principles and you made your life, you made choices in your life based on that. Do you know that when you came to become a Christ follower and you're in a church where they're teaching you principles, how many have noticed your decisions have gotten better? Yes. 
Remember before all that, the decisions you made? Don't look at me so righteous. How many like to go back and make some decisions over if you knew going into a little different, you'd have made them completely different? And if you'd have made different decisions, you'd have had some different what? Outcomes. Thank God for grace. Grace makes up the difference. Amen? Thank God for grace. But there are consequences always, you know, grace doesn't remove every consequence, but how many are just so grateful that grace makes up the difference? You know, they say that your personality is formed somewhere right around five years old. So the things that happen in your, in your life around five years old and then the experiences up to about the age of 11 form your personality. In those years where you should be in a secure environment and being nurtured in the right way, it really does have an impact. But, but our family, the way we were raised, it, it really gives us our outlook on life. Um, your emotional outlook, your financial outlook, your faith outlook, all of these things that are, are, are so imp- important to us are built into how we were nurtured. Think about the things you learned from your family. If you made a list, there would be some good things in there. Then there are probably some things that you're like, what were they thinking? And then you probably have this thought, they didn't know any different. They're just things you learn that got in you. This is why the Bible tells us we have to have our minds renewed every day because we learn some junk. You know, one of the things about following Jesus is not so much sometimes what you have to learn, but what you have to unlearn. You know, you might have been rejected all your life, then all of a sudden you hear about love. You got to relearn what love is. You have to relearn those principles that God has set forth. So family is so important because it gives you your identity and it really does determine your outlook on life. It does. It determines just your confidence. It determines how positive or negative. You know, if you, were, if you grew up in a very negative situation, it's probably why you're so negative today. It's probably why you struggle with negative. If you grew up in an environment where your parents or a father rejected you, it's why you struggle so much with that acceptance thing today. If you grew up in an atmosphere where they expected you to be perfect, it's why you struggle with perfection today. It really does fix your, your outlook. So family's important, but how many know, like, we've messed it up as people? Um, you know, my, my kids are 18 and 24, and sometimes I look at them and I'm like, man, we did good. And sometimes I'm like, we, we, we messed some things up. Me and my wife have talked about it. Parents, you ever feel like that? Like, man, I, I just... I didn't do such a good job in this area. We always have this conversation. There's always grace. God can always redeem, and God's still working. Actually, I'm going to tell you next week some of the dumb myths we have about raising our kids. A couple of them will shock you because we're doing some things wrong. We're we're feeding right into culture. So don't don't miss next week. But I wanted to share this with you. Back in, in 1976, there was a prophetic revelation that was recorded in the Plain Truth Journal. This is in in the middle of the 70s. There was a prophecy, and in this prophecy, it predicted two things would happen over the next several, several decades. One, we would experience the breakdown of the traditional marriage and family relationship. It was predicted that we would experience breakdown in marriage and traditional family relationship. And two, 
Listen to this. They predicted there would be a widespread, aggressive conspiracy to destroy the institution of marriage and family. It was recorded in 1976. They, they predicted those two things. And today, we're, we're seeing that happen. We're seeing less people are marrying. Less children are actually raised um, by both parents. Less, less children, most children are in a home where, where they don't have both biological parents. We, we are um, living in homes where we're seeing that rebellion, disrespect, and impurity are actually mod- modeled, they're tolerated. In some places, they're encouraged. So what was prophetically spoken in 1976, we're seeing happen in 2022. And here's the danger of that, because we get our identity from that, and we get our outlook from that. I mean, that can be a little disheartening, a little discouraging. We got to be careful that we're not sitting here blaming a parent or blaming a relative as we sit here. We need to sit here and say, okay, where, where's, where's the hope of Christ in all of this? Which I want to come to my third point this morning. And, and I, I worded it this way and stick with me through the next few things I say, because I'm going to get somewhere good in a minute. So it fixes our identity, it fixes our outlook, and and number three, family gives us opportunity. Family gives us opportunity. It gives us outlook, gives us identity, but it gives us an opportunity. Now remember, keep in context, the family as as a church, the the family, that your individual family, but it gives us opportunity. I said this a moment ago. What does it give us opportunity? It gives us opportunity to be a witness for the power of God. It gives us a witness to be uh, uh, for the the promises of God, for the word of God. It gives us an opportunity to show the world around us that God's plan, done the right way, is very prosperous. It's very successful compared to the world's way. But there right now is an all-out attack on the what? On the family. There's been an all-out attack the last several years against the Word of God and an all-out attack right now against the family. And so I believe there are three areas of challenge that we see this happening in. So I actually have an A, B, and C for you. The first area, I just call it this. It is, it is what I call a cultural war. There is an absolute cultural war against the family. How many would agree with that? Um, culture is attacking your family. Let, let, let me just share some things with you. Uh, first of all, there is an anti-Bible, anti-church movement. It's against the word. It's against the pr- we were a nation founded on the principles of the Bible. That's why America has been so fortunate, so blessed, and there's been an onslaught against it. There's a spirit in our culture, that is anti-family, it is anti-Bible, it is anti-church. You, you can see it. It's an oppressing spirit. It's destroying families, not just in the world, but inside the church. This is why it's so important for us to hold on to biblical values, to fight for biblical values, to open our mouths about biblical values. Don't be, don't be fearful. Don't be afraid about what the culture thinks or what the culture will do. You stand up for the word of God. When you stand up for the word of God, the word of God will stand up for you. It will, it, it, there is power in the word of God. It does not return void. But we need some frontline fighters that will not just open our mouths, but that we will live this thing. We'll live this thing. 
Don't throw in the towel. I made too many mistakes as a dad or as a mom or as a, as a son or daughter. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit yet. We need you to keep fighting. Not just fighting with your mouth, but fighting with the way you're doing family. I mean, the culture, the word, you know, there are problems within our culture. And we know that because the devil is the God of this age, the Bible says. So when our kids are learning things in the education system that they're learning, when our kids are seeing things in the entertainment industry that they're seeing, it's forming a whole generation's mentality. Church, we got to be the church. We got to keep teaching biblical values. We got to keep doing that so we don't lose this war with this generation. And here's the problem. There are problems in culture, and it's a whole different level when a government tries to legislate wrong principles. The, the same-sex movement, the abortion movement, the number one killer in America. These are things that are killing the traditional family. And it's an onslaught. It's an attack. It, so there is a war in culture over what used to be family values uh, now that it, it's just messing with our, our, our world, destroying our family, the welfare, welfare system. These things are destroying. How, how many are with me? They're, they are destroying. So there is a war in culture right now over the principles that God originally designed. When you take the original design for something, try to do it a different way, it doesn't work. It just messes things up. And I know you know, I'm, I'm seeing your amens, and I, I know you, you're getting what I'm saying, you, you see it. But so in your life and my life, there, there, have been, there, there have been designs by culture to get us to think a certain way, believe a certain way, and, and now they're being governed. So there's a culture war. Here, here's the other war that we're seeing is a generational conflict. And we're all fighting this war. We're fighting it in culture, and we're fighting a generational conflict. Now, I want you to hear me because this is going to be bad news, but give me five minutes, and I'm, I'm going I'm to wrap this up with a shout. So here's what I'm saying. There are things that I call a generational conflict. Some people call them generational curses. Which means this. That there is iniquity passed down from one generation to the next. There is sinfulness. Now, really, here's what a generational curse is. Because that, that, that can sound like creepy language. But a generational curse is tied to choices. Choices that someone in your family made and the consequences or the effects or the tendencies of those choices passed down in the bloodline to you. That, that's why you can see some families struggle with poverty. Some families struggle with disease. Some families struggle with alcoholism. And there, there's a whole list of things. And, and the choices made in generations prior to you have been passed down in your bloodline to create tendencies in your life and my life. And, and it's, it's just like what happened with Adam and Eve. The choices they made corrupted mankind. It was never God's intention for them, for the world to be in the order that it is today. That's why God had another plan to send Jesus. A rescue plan. Anyone glad for the rescue plan? God's foreknowledge, God's foresight, God's God uh, looking ahead into the future and knowing that he wanted to bring us back to the same assignment that we had in the garden. That you and I as believers, uh, as a, a family, are called to what? Multiply, to dominate, to be prosperous, to be successful. 
So there are, there are these curses that pass down in the family line. And, and, and let me prove that to you. This is Lamentations chapter 5, verse 7. It says this, our ancestors sinned, and although they are no more, we bear their punishment. We bear their punishment. So there's a war in culture. There's a war or a conflict generationally. That's why some things that have been passed down to you, they become patterns in your life. But let me give you the C, the ABC. The C is what I want you to see is that there's also a battle for blessing. There's a battle for blessing. The attack we see in culture, the attack we see in the generational lines is actually an opportunity for God. It's actually an opportunity for victory. It's actually an opportunity to overcome. It's an opportunity. And so let's take those two areas. Let's take, let's take culture, for example. So the opportunity is that you and I stand up, live our lives by the principles that are in the word of God, find out those principles, put them into practice as husbands, wives, moms, dads, as a family of God, as a church of God, put his principles into effect and it will give us a lasting testimony, a lasting witness. Our legacy, our legacy will be the love of God, the redeeming power of God, the grace of God. Anyone thankful for the blood of Jesus? And if you are a mom and dad and you didn't do some things so right, Hey, there's always opportunity to repent. There's always opportunity to pray. There's always opportunity for grace. There's always opportunity for redemption. There's always opportunity for healing. Why? Because it's part of the blessing. The blessing of Jesus reverses those things. Or maybe as a son or daughter, you haven't done so well. Or, or, or wherever you're at on that scale of things, um, it, it's good to know that even though culture can say one thing, we can live by the righteous ways of Jesus. And guess what? It'll elevate us. It will prosper us. It'll change your family name. God's a God of do-over. God's a God of second chances, third chances. God's a God of rescuing things and fixing things and mending families and changing testimonies and altering witnesses. There's a battle for blessing. The Bible says when you obey God, it commands the blessing of God. You and I should be so blessed. I'm not talking about perfect without any problems. I mean, there should be such a blessing on our lives because we have chosen to say, this is what the word says. This is what the word says, how we're going to do things, how we're going to work things out. This is how we're going to, this is how we're going to forgive. This is how we're going to restore. This is how we're going to give. This is how we're going to sow. This is how we're going to talk. This is how, it, this land, our, we got a different culture we live by. The Bible says we're in this world, we're just not of it. That means we don't have to look, smell, talk, taste like the world tastes. We're just here. We're in it, but we got a whole different manual that we live by. And it's a manual that's undefeated. It's perfect. I'm imperfect, but the word's perfect. And, and when, we, when we pursue the promises, the way that God has to do things, it blesses our family. There will be a blessing on our life and on our family. There'll be a blessing of health, of wealth. There's just a blessing that no devil can turn or distract or change. They ought to be able to look at you and say, that family's blessed. They might even look at you and say, that family was whacked out, but that side of the family's blessed. Or they used to be whacked out, but something changed and something turned. Maybe that first marriage didn't work out, but look at how they're living now. God has a way of doing that. 
That's the battle for blessing in the culture. But what about this battle of blessing when I just mentioned to you um, generational curses? I, I want to read your scripture because when I say generational curses, how many of you could think of some things in your life that have showed up in your life? You didn't want them there, but it almost felt like it was something in your family line. It just keeps, it feels like a curse. It's affected decisions. It, maybe it's affected finances. Maybe it has affected your health. Maybe it has affected um, uh, uh, relationships, whatever it is. It's a curse. It's a curse from the enemy tied to choices from somewhere in your family lineage. It's why you have repeated sins. It's why you've struggled with the same struggles. It's why you have dealt with some of the same demonic influences, some of the same addictions. And chances are, as a believer, you don't have any new sin in your life. It may be a struggle with some old stuff. It's old residue. It's old stuff. But I'm going to read a verse to you. When you get this in your heart, you're going to realize that, the, that you are able to make different choices. You're able to be free from that stuff. And those generational curses don't have to carry on. I read to you what Lamentation says, but I want to read to you what Ezekiel said. Ezekiel chapter 18. And somebody needs to shout on this one. The one who sins is the one who dies. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous is credited to them, and the wickedness is charged against them. Verse 21. But if a wicked person turns away from all that sin they have committed and keeps all the decrees and does, does what is right and just, that person, they're going to live and they will not die. What that means is when you become a born-again believer, you become a son of God, you get redeemed, you have a say-so, and your say-so can be this. That curse stopped there. That curse doesn't linger on. Now, just because you're saved doesn't mean it happens. What happens is you get revelation on it and you say, I, I, I receive what the word of God says right there about my family and we're going to change some things. We're gonna, I'm going to speak something different. I'm going to make some different decisions. Before you couldn't make any different decisions. You kept repeating the bad behavior. You kept repeating. It's like you couldn't stop it. Do you know that most alcoholic children hate alcoholism, but they turn into alcoholics? Why? Because that's what was normal and secure in their environment, and they repeated the behavior. When you become a child of God, you're not obligated anymore to repeat that behavior. You got a new wine in your life, the Bible says. But the next generation, your kids, your grandkids, and so on, it all depends on you changing things right now. It depends on you altering things right now. How many glad you came to church this morning? That's why I said I wasn't just going to say, you know, here's your three family principles. Here's, what I, I, here's, here's where I want to land this plane. There is a war in our culture and society against traditional biblical value, uh, family values. There is a generational conflict within you to repeat the behaviors of those before you. But there is, at the same time, the power of the work of Jesus. And the Bible says he reversed the curse. He actually says he redeemed you from the curse. 
You don't have to repeat that curse. Why? He redeemed you. Yeah, you're born again. You just need some revelation. You know what? I don't have to repeat that addiction. I don't have to repeat that depression. I don't have to repeat that suicide. I don't have to repeat that perversion. I don't have to repeat that. It no longer has place in my life. Now, you may need to work your thoughts in some areas. You might need to surrender some areas of your life. But we're going to pray a prayer here in a moment, and we're going to get surrendered to that. I'm going to believe that it's going to break off your life. Remember, I read you a verse when all this started this morning. This wasn't in my notes anywhere this morning. But when I walked up to the front row, God gave me this scripture. And it says this, this is Psalm 107, verse 20. It's what I read to you earlier. He sent his word. He sent his word. The Bible says in the beginning of the New Testament that Jesus was the word, is the word, and he was sent into the world. God sent Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Well, it says he sent his word and he healed them. And he delivered them from their destructions. How many know without him, you are undelivered from your destructions? Your life will repeat its destructions. So what's going to happen this morning over the next few moments? Because we've elevated and we've focused on the love of Jesus, the person of Jesus, guess what's going to happen? I believe a curse is going to break off your life, and I believe healing is going to happen in your body this morning. So let's all, let's all stand. Let's all stand. How many got something good this morning? You say, why are you so intense on the Sunday after Thanksgiving? Because the devil's acting, the devil's acting mad right now. He's acting intentional. I'm going to be as mad and as intentional as he is in this series. Because I'm telling you, if God can get a hold of you and your thinking and your family, he can change the, the, he can change the direction of your money. He can change the direction of your health. He can change the direction of your, of your relationship. He can change some things. God has the power to change it. If you get out of the way and buy into it and line yourself up, he can change tomorrow what you thought would never change. And that's a word for somebody. You've said it. It'll never change. I'm too old to change. I'm too old to change. It's just how we are. It's just, it's just what our kind of people do. Well, God's kind of people do it differently. And they will, here's the dumb thing about that. If you've ever said that to your family, this is just how we are, this is how we do things. Well, you see the results of that. They've been offended and messed up and poor for years. The word of God says the family of God, they do some things differently. And we're not addicted. And we're not depressed. And we're not possessed. And we're blessed. We're too blessed to stay stressed. Come on. God wants to take you from a family that was a victim, turn you into a family that knows what victory is all about. People ought to look at you and say, they got victory. They smell like victory. Well, you don't know where I come from. I don't have to know where you come from. Where are we going? Well, it's just in my blood. Well, when you got born again, you got a blood transfusion. <laughs> come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.